Hello, everyone. You're listening to the DSG Connect podcast. As one of the world's leading dental laboratory networks, we value connection. And in alignment with that value, the DSG Connect podcast is here to serve you. Our goal is to elevate voices in dentistry. You know the ones, world changers, innovators, disruptors, true leaders, the people making a difference and bringing world-class solutions to our industry and communities. Our guests will educate, inspire, and share what is working, how to pivot when things go sideways, and everything in between. Wherever you find yourself listening, thank you. Thank you for listening to DSG Connect. Today, we're back with Dr. Patrick Lillis and one of his classmates, Dr. Aaron Elliott. They both graduated from Creighton University School of Dentistry in Omaha, Nebraska with their Doctor of Dental Surgery degrees. Dr. Lillis, upon completion of dental school, he did a two-year advanced education in general dentistry residency program at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Dentistry in Kansas City, Missouri. His training has provided him a unique opportunity to focus on and treat extremely difficult dental complexities, and he's had the opportunity to work under some of the most foremost leaders in implant and cosmetic dentistry in the Midwest. In addition to running a practice, Dr. Lillis holds the distinction of being a keynote speaker for several dental manufacturers. Dr. Elliott graduated top five from Crichton University. Today, she loves helping her patients not only smile, but sleep better too. She is a national speaker and educator on the very important topic of sleep apnea and has been published in many leading dental journals. She loves to help general dentists extend this life-saving service to their patients. She is an active member of her local American Dental Association, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, and is the past president and diplomat of American Sleep and Breathing Academy. Let's give a warm DSG Connect podcast welcome to Dr. Lillis and Dr. Elliot. Thank you so much. It's fun to be here. You're welcome. This started with Dr. Lillis bringing Dr. Elliot to us. The two of them actually went to school together. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Hey, thanks, Heidi. You know, I, first of all, I'm, I'm super proud of, uh, any Creighton graduate that's on the key opinion leader lecture scene. So it's been kind of a lonely scene for me, uh, for the last 16 years. And so I'm totally, totally jazzed to have Aaron on the show today because, uh, She's also a fellow Creighton graduate and uh, has just absolutely exploded onto the sleep dentistry scene has kind of asserted herself as one of the experts in that arena. And so it's been really, I'm super proud of her and it's been a lot of fun to watch her career and and definite in the last several years, uh, sharing it with other dentists on what she's done. So Aaron, welcome aboard. We're glad you're here. Thank you. And honestly, Dr. Lillis, that's my goal is to try to get dentists excited about treating sleep because then that's that many more patients that are getting the help they need. And we as dentists, as you know, are in a perfect position to help them. And so I, gosh, I haven't seen you in, I've almost, I've almost been out of there 18 years. You were older than me. So I haven't seen you what 19 years. And I was just commenting on how you look exactly the same. So well done. (laughs) <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. And likewise, and, and, and if you want to just do this every day and tell me that that's totally fine. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for saying that because it doesn't feel like that some days, but, but thank you so much. And I agree. Dentistry is in such a great spot for this. And it's such a topic that has definitely gained momentum because when I was in dental school, I think we had like zero. Oh, zero. None issues. It and, wasn't and on so, the boards. No, no. So you didn't teach it. So this Yay. is uh, this is really fitting. So 
Awesome. Thanks, Heidi. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Elliot, what drew you to sleep medicine? Well, if, if we ever do become Facebook friends, you will see very quickly that I really love to sleep. And what I mean by that is my husband catches me sleeping in very <laughs> inopportune places um, and anytime and my mouth is usually hanging open. So he loves to post those pictures. So I, I was born an old woman. Like I would take my own naps. I put myself to bed early. I just love sleep. And when I realized that Dennis could be a part of it back in what, 2008, I knew that I wanted to get involved. And then more importantly, aside from my own um, desire to sleep well, my dad was a snorer forever. And that's just, we thought it was normal, right? Because that's, mm. that's what we're told, you know, sleep apnea is an old fat man's disease. Um, young, thin people can't have it. Women don't have it. And I, I knew I wanted to get the message out that it, there are so many people suffering and they just get, you know, passed over by physicians all the time. So my dad with his snoring and my mom's insomnia because of it, um, we were able to solve that, get my mom better sleep, get my dad better sleep. Um, and he ended up being like moderate to severe without ever knowing that there was anything wrong. So that's, that's really what got me excited. How do you screen your patients for sleep apnea? If you were to go to your doctor, Heidi, and you said, Hey, I'm having trouble sleeping at night. I wake up at 1am or 3am. Those are like red flags for me, but I, and then I can't go back to sleep. What are they going to do? They're going to give you sleeping pills. They're used to, Hey, you have hypertension. Here's some pills. Never. Well, why do you have hypertension at 42 years old? Let's get to the bottom of this. And that's the frustrating part I have is, and I can't blame them. It's because they just don't have the time. I run a roller skate type practice and I can only imagine just the pressures that the, the physician world has. But when we look at screening, there's kind of two categories we look at is the non-physical factors and then the physical factors. And what I mean by non-physical factors is before a patient even walks in the door, we can screen them. Are they in the big four is, are they on antidepressant medications? Are they on hypertensive medications? Are they on diabetic medications? And are they on acid reflux? There are a whole host of other issues um, and diseases and symptoms that come from sleep apnea or untreated sleep apnea. But those are kind of the four ones that if, if you could just remember those, so many of our patients. And then of course, because I said acid reflux, a lot of those medications are over the counter. So I'm always educating that the hygienist should be asking about over the counter medications, even if used once in a while, because if someone told you, oh yeah, I take melatonin because um, I don't sleep well. Well, that's a perfect lead into a conversation. Um, so again, like in the morning huddle, you can look at your patients ahead of time and kind of capture that one patient of the day, you know, hygienists are always so overwhelmed with, I have to clean teeth and, and talk to them about how to, what side of the toothbrush to pick up. And then of course the F word of flossing and, and then make their next um, appointment. And now you want me to talk about sleep. So in order to avoid overwhelm, we're always like, just, just take one patient of the day. If you could bring it up to them, then you're good. So just looking at their health history. And then when they're actually in the chair, I created a checklist of sorts that would bring your attention to some of the anatomical features in that, you know, if, if there's not a whole lot of room for your tongue, because you have constricted arches, extracted premolars, a vaulted palate, um, there's no room, if there's no room for the tongue, it's going to go back into the airway. 
So to simplify things for the um, audience, if you just look for scallop tongue, bruxing, acid erosion, and just kind of a small swollen airway, that's a ton of people that you could help right there too. I mean, I think it's absolutely unbelievable, right? Because we see these patients every single day and we just kind of gloss over them. Aaron's, Aaron's right. I mean, if you go to your physician, you're lucky to see your physician for more than five minutes. And it's kind of like triage care with them. I mean, they really mm-hmm. want to get you in and they want to get you out about as quickly as possible. And so as a dentist, we really have an opportunity to help these folks along. And, you know, like we were discussing earlier in dental school, we had about zero classes in this stuff. And, and granted, we just didn't know a whole lot about it back then. So I think the most difficult thing for dentists nowadays, Aaron, is, you know, where to go on these things. And maybe Heidi, you're going to get into that, but where do you get educated and trained on this stuff? Because I mean, we didn't have it, Aaron, and I know that you've had to do it yourself and you've been a trailblazer and setting up all the systems, but I guess, you know, I don't want to get ahead of anything, but you know, at some point, I think that would be a good question is, you know, where do we go and, and how do we get educated more on, on sleep dentistry? Well, I will tell you that it is not easy. It's not like I introduced implants into my practice a few years back. We introduced, um, you know, brackets and aligners, that sort of thing. That's dentistry. And so that was easy for patients to comprehend, assistants, the front desk, all of that. But sleep is a little bit of, you know, the odd Uh, the oddball. And so the systems do have to be different. And so when I came back from my first course, yes, I mean, a weekend course is enough to get started, honestly. And there's so much, there's so much to learn. Um, I would go, I went to the course and I came back and I'm like, okay, now what? And really it's, I kind of created this workflow of step by step by step as, as much as I could. And we just kind of get patients into the fold and, and it's just not running itself, but really is a, a, good way because there's so many balls up in the air with sleep. And it's really because of the medical world. We are putting our handpiece down and putting our stethoscope on. And even though we have a dental solution, it's still a medical problem. And that's, that's where it is not as easy to implement as other things. And so I never thought I would be speaking. I never thought I'd be as, as you refer to a trailblazer. Um, it was more like, oh my gosh, this blonde chick up in Idaho figured out how to do sleep. Maybe she ought to, we ought to give her a platform to teach others on how she did this. So I do have a course. There are a lot of great courses out there and ongoing education as well, especially as we learn more and more. Um, but it's not something that you, that I call it a slow brew. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Cause you know, there's a need Dentists go back and the team goes back all excited for all the people they're going to help because there's so many suffering sleep apneics. And then there's some hurdles that come up. You have to continue on and not give up and, and be patient because once, once it goes, once you do your first few appliances and you get over the fear, then it, it's not smooth sailing from there, but it's much easier. So I just, my message is don't give up. I know there's a lot of excitement and then just a lot of disappointment, but it does work. I promise. Yeah. And you were, you were saying something too, Aaron, about how, you know, it's one thing to go, you know, do the course to do the diagnosis and treatment planning, but you were talking about implementation. And I'd like for you to kind of expand on that a little bit, because one of the things that I've heard over the years after I give a lecture is I'll get an email and say, 
I get everybody kind of fired up to go do dentistry, you know, in a certain aspect. And then they go back to their practices and I'll get an email about a week or two later being like, now what? I don't know. I don't know how to put this yeah. into my daily workflow. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to implement this into my practice. And we all kind of know what it's like to go to a CE course, get all fired up and then come back to our practice and be like, okay, now what? So you were talking yep. a little bit about implementation. So in that, and that's our focus, truly. It's I go, I have to go learn all the cerebral sciencey stuff and then just pick out the nuggets of well, this is how it applies to your patient and this is what it's important. So I really try to give the foundation, but mostly, okay, you have a patient in your chair. They have these signs and symptoms. Now what? How do you bring it up? Like even, even the verbiage and communication, um, how do you schedule them? How many units does, do I need? Um, how do you interpret and review a sleep study with the patient? But also what do we do that? What do we do now with this sleep study? Okay. We need to get it diagnosed. We need to get a, a referral from a physician and all the paperwork that goes along with it. So yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, but you know, my biggest excuse that I give for non-implementation is that I don't have time. Um, because I do have a busy practice and I love that, but what am I spending my time on? Are you spending your time on buckle pits and fillings that you don't want to, that you're not necessarily passionate about, or can you cut out some, you know, production out of your day to sit down and really figure out how to do the sleep? Sometimes the patients aren't ready to hear it. Okay. So that you planted a seed when they are ready, they'll know who to come to, but there's so many other patients that are desperate for help and they don't know who to turn to. They've been passed along and passed around for so long that having someone they trust already and someone they see all the time, someone that can help guide them. I, I tease that I become a quarterback because not every patient is gonna be able to get an appliance, but I at least get them through that workflow and, and they know where to go. Uh, I, again, medical insurance is a huge, huge um, hurdle for people. And I'm here to tell you that medical insurance does cover it. But I'm also here to tell you that you have patients willing to spend $5,000 or more on straight teeth, but not $2,500 on an appliance. So somehow there's a disconnect that we're not building up value into what um, the appliance can provide. It's interesting to me too, because when we provide, so when we talk about aligners for 5,000, the patient doesn't sit there and look at the aligners and say, those cost 5,000. They just know that to get to a, a straight smile, this is what needs to be done. But for some reason, patients look at the appliance and they're like, that costs 2,500. Well, no, it's the whole program that we provide for you that cause that allows that cost 2,500. So I think there's some like some clicks in our brain that need to switch over as far as providers and then as consumers the medical insurance. Can you tell us a little bit how you work that out? Um, it's really just putting it out there. Like you just have to get started. You can't be afraid. And uh, dentists are very famous for the a case of the what ifs. Well, what if this, what if that, okay, what if that's awesome. When, because when we're first starting out, I hope that comes up because then we can figure out how to get around it. In fact, I have a bracelet that I wear that says Fios, F-I-O-S. And it says, figure it out silly, really stupid, but figure it out. silly, um, Because, because that's dentistry in general, right? We're dealing with humans and, and yeah, it, we just have to learn how to pivot. And if anything, COVID has taught us is that we are, <laughs> we can all pivot. So when it comes to medical insurance, you just start billing. I do utilize a third-party billing company that um, is familiar with each state and different policies. 
but we just started billing. And at the, at the worst case scenario, the patients pay their deductible and they deny it completely, then okay, we learned something for the next time. And then you start getting familiar with the policies around your town. And then if we have documentation, if you have the correct documentation, you should get paid. Even if they deny you at first, we, fight, we, we look at that as like, oh yeah, you just gave us a challenge and we're going to win. So I think it depends on your mindset going into medical billing. Um, my mindset is you will pay and we will win. I think that's awesome. I mean, Erin, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think as dentists, we, we get a little set in our ways sometime and we kind of want to, well, this has worked for my practice for 20 years. And so I'm just going to kind of keep going and trugging along and I don't want to change anything. And I want to implement anything because my days are on cruise control, but I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, dentists are, we tend to get stuck. You know, like I said, we get stuck on our ways and we kind of keep what's working. And so we don't want to switch anything up. So, I mean, I love this because you did. I mean, you know, you were cruising along doing dentistry, but you knew something else was out there and, and you wanted to help people. And so I just think I love it. I, we do the same thing with insurance claims that get denied on the dentistry side. I mean, we will resubmit it with narratives and photographs and everything else. So I think it's great. What a piece of advice, Dr. Elliot, would you give to a dentist who's really listening in and considering implementing? Um, well, I, so I always like to find out what, what's holding them back. What is the um, concern? And even when, a, even when a patient says, oh, I don't want that implant, it, or even the hygienist says, oh, so-and-so doesn't want that implant, so don't ask about it. I'm like, well, why doesn't he want the implant? And I really like to get to the bottom of what their concerns are so that we can overcome the obstacle, right? And so it's like, what is it about treating sleep in your practice that concerns you? What, what, why are you hesitant? And sometimes it's flat out, I just don't, I don't have any interest in it. Okay, that's cool. But you should at least know enough to talk to your patients about it. I mean, it's in the ADA guidelines that we should at least be screening for it. So even if you don't want to treat sleep or learn medical billing or anything, you can learn enough to say, hey, I think I see something going on before we make you a night guard. We need to make sure you don't have something called sleep apnea. So I'd like to rule that out so we can make you the right kind of night guard and send them to someone who does do this. You know, you don't have to, it's just like sending out for to a specialist in dentistry. They're not gonna steal your patient or anything like that. So I get referrals from dentists. They didn't wanna undertake it, but they're at least um, screening. Um, if it's, if there's concern about getting the team on board or the medical, you know, whatever it is, I think that dentists owe it to um, their patients to at least know enough to talk to them about it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's awesome. I mean, yeah, if you're not willing to do this, you're right. You need to get it to somebody who does. And it's really, you're talking about other dental specialties. It's really no different than if you see a set of wisdom teeth on a, on a panoramic mm -hmm. x-ray, you know, I mean, you're probably going to refer that to an oral surgeon. So, you know, that's just part of being a doctor and being part of the dental team, in my opinion. So I couldn't agree more. And I am going to say something semi-controversial, but a big hesitation for dentists is the potential for a bite change with an appliance. And so they just completely shut it all out that I won't do these. I won't even suggest them because they might change a bite. And, you know, Dr. Lillis, if this is bringing up an old name, but if there's one thing that Dr. Wilcox taught us in dental school <laughs> is that class one canine guidance can cure cancer. 
and God forbid that someone die with an imperfect, you know, bite. And so you, you might change a bite, but oxygen is so much more important than canine guidance. And they probably didn't even have it to begin with. <laughs> um, the bite changes don't happen every time. Um, and I, and I teased, I was doing a lecture and this guy said, well, I did an appliance once and it caused a bite change. And I said, okay, so you never did one again. He's like, nope. So I said, well, have you ever had a sensitive tooth when, when you've done a crown? He's like, yeah. And I was like, so did you stop doing crowns? And he's like, oh, okay. I get your point. Bite changes don't happen all the time. We do everything we can to mitigate them. It may happen. And if it does, but the patient likes how they feel, then we can offer other solutions. You know, once you stop wearing an appliance, most of the time the bite goes back. So um, I just wouldn't use that as a fear um, either. Well, Aaron, if it makes you feel any better, I was giving a lecture in La Crosse, Wisconsin about 10 years ago. And a dentist, one dentist in the back of the room. And he said, you know, I don't really feel like digital dentistry is that important. And I said, okay. And he, I said, well, he said, I've been taking impressions for 35 years and I haven't had any problems. I said, really? Well, I've been taking impressions as well for about 17 years and I had lots of problems. So you must be different than me. And so the tech, here's the beauty the technician was in the crowd. And so I said, uh. <laughs> I turned to the technician and I said, Hey, how many remakes do you have? Do you, would you say on average from your, even your best dentist in your community? And he listed the number of remakes and this guy was just floored, you know? So <laughs> I think sometimes we like as dentists, we like to make excuses, but well, not, horse and buggies worked for a long time too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you put Dr. Wilcox on blast though. Wow. This is, this is quite, quite <laughs> I an episode. Lo I love him. I love him. I just <laughs> I know, thought it would be I fun too. to bring I him up. He's, he's great. I do too. I think it's funny. You have the best sense of humor. When I was looking at some things online, different podcasts that you've done in the past and stuff, your queen of good air came up. <laughs> I love that. What made you do that? So I would not call myself a creative person, um, but the, every once in a while I get these pockets of um, inspiration. So I was working on a patient and I just started giggling and my assistant's like, what now? And I was like, I just thought of something. So I, I work with this local company and we just had so much fun. So in case any of you are wondering, it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song, but I changed the words. And then not to be a one-hit wonder, I did have to come out with a second. Did you see that one, Heidi? I air, did air, not. Baby. Oh, no. Air, air, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I will definitely check that out for sure. So if you Google Aaron Elliott and Queen of Good Air, you can see the wrap. Put a link in our show notes too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share any final thoughts that you may have um yeah if you're a dentist thinking about it I think it's good to have a little self-reflection of what truly is holding you back and how you can get around that look at it as a, a challenge but most importantly I mean just think of how many patients you can help and you know I actually got flowers this week from a patient for the immediate implant we did from start to finish in all digital Dr. Lilith so, you know, we get thanks, but when we help someone's life, their marriage, their energy, like 
you get raving fans. So it's been a blessing to be able to help so many people. And I'm really hoping to get other dentists excited, but also successful. I think she stole the show, Heidi. I mean, I think what she said is, is actually perfect. I mean, I think as dentists, it's our, it's pretty much our responsibility to continue to educate ourselves in every facet of the profession. And so, you know, there's really so much out there in dentistry. We can't know everything, but it's our, our, our duty to keep doing this and keep educating ourselves. And it, yeah, it might be uncomfortable. It's because we as dentists don't like to admit when we don't know something, but I think it's important that we do admit when we don't know something. So, you know, I think it's important just to take the first step and look into Aaron's course, you know, or look into other courses, but I think it's really important to take that first step. And like she's saying, I mean, at least we have to have the ability to, to recognize it. And if we can recognize it, even if you don't want to treat it and it's not your bag, don't, it's not that big a deal, but then you have to get it out to somebody like Aaron or somebody else in your community that, that is good at doing this. And that really has made a commitment to educating themselves and going through the proper channels of doing all the educational process, not somebody that's just kind of willy nilly doing it. Somebody like her, that's really, you know, roll her sleeves up and has learned how to do it correctly, properly. Um, and working with other people in her community that do the same, at the, working at the same level. So I'm really glad that she came on and I'm, I'm really proud of her as far as yeah. like uh, uh, what she's doing as far as uh, not only sleep dentistry, but advancing the aspect of that, our profession. Why, thank you. All shucks. Dr. Elliot, where can our listeners connect with you and learn about your course? Um, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Aaron Elliott, DDS, two L's, two T's and two D's. And along those same lines, um, they can feel free to email me. So it's Aaron Elliott, DDS at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, I think that's a good place. I'm always willing to help and encourage. So reach out. Thank you for listening. We invite you to subscribe to DSG Connect on iTunes or Spotify. Take a minute to refer a friend or colleague and help us spotlight this podcast by leaving us a review. In between episodes, stay connected with us. Have a topic in mind? Send your suggestions to podcast at dentalservices.net. Also, did you know we have webinars? Check them out at dentalservices.net slash edu. We believe we're stronger together. Until next time, enjoy your day.